Hey, this is Robert Berry, and you're listening to Michael's Record Collection. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Michael's Record Collection, the podcast that talks about great music with the people who make it and the people who love it. This is episode number 74, and I'm speaking with Robert Berry. We last spoke way back on episode number three about his uh, album Third Impression under the name 3.2, and uh, it's great to talk to Robert again because he's got a new band, not a project, he was quick to point out, but a band called 6x6. In this band with Robert, it's a power trio with Nigel Glockler, the drummer from Saxon, and Ian Crichton, the guitarist from Saga. These three put out a terrific self-titled album, and I can't wait to bring you that conversation with Robert about this. He's very psyched about this album, and he should be, because I've heard it, and it's pretty great. I think anybody that likes Asia or Saga or maybe Trevor Rabin era Yes will have a lot to like here. It's rock music with a little bit of progressive element to it, but it's not straight, flat-out prog rock. I want to remind you, you can follow me on social media, and I would really appreciate that. On Twitter, it is at Mike's Records. And on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, it's at Michael's Record Collection. Be sure to check out michaelsrecordcollection.com with links to everything, my socials, my Patreon, where you can find the different levels of support for as little as $2 a month and uh, find something that fits uh, you. And if you don't find something that fits you, continue enjoying the show for free. Does this show need a co-host? I want your honest opinion. Please write to me at michaelsrecordcollection at gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter at Mike's Records and let me know. Does Michael's Record Collection need a co-host, or is it fine the way it is? And if it does need a co-host, and you are interested in being that co-host, let me know that too. I might rotate some folks and try some different things if you guys decide that, yeah, it would be good to have an additional voice on the show. Anyway, let's get to that interview with Robert Berry about 6 by 6 Here we go. Welcome to Michael's Record Collection. I am very happy to have with me back on the show Robert Berry. Robert, thanks for your time tonight. I am glad to be speaking with you again. I was just saying, last time we spoke, what are you going to do next? I don't know, nothing, maybe. You know, like it was a wide open field or a closed door. Who knew? Who knew? Uh, I want to talk to you about this new 6 by 6 project that's uh, coming out. It sounds fantastic to my ears, and I can't wait for people to hear it. But first, before we get into that, I want to go back and ask you, the last time I had you on the show was January of 2021, and 3.2, Third Impression, had just come out. How's it been doing for you? You know, it's, we talked about it already, so I won't labor the whole thing, but I didn't want to do the, the third, what I, what I consider the third three record, mm-hmm. um, but the record company said it, the second one, Rules of Change, it did so well that I really should, not everybody gets this opportunity, I had one more song written with Keith. Um, always the day before something with Keith comes out, I'm worried right after he was gone. I'm like, oh, gee, I should have just left it alone. You know, uh, people are going to criticize it. And, you know, I had it in such a good place and part of his legacy and remember all the great writer and play. Well, it came out and I was worried about it. And I started seeing things better than the last album. Like, what? And now I don't, personally think that i think they're a lot the same but while i'm thinking about what am i going to do next i'm doing third impression i'm thinking you know what i really want to do is more guitar oriented stuff i like 
the perfect mix of guitar and keyboards, which is what Asia was, what Yes was, you know, a lot of bands. Mm -hmm. uh, so I put a lot more guitar in third, third impression, and people actually liked that a lot. So it was rewarding in many ways because it also led me to tell my manager, uh, Nick Shelton in England, I, he says, what are you going to do next? I said, I'd really like to find a guy with the genius of Keith Emerson. You know, those parts that Keith wrote in the songs we did are only Emerson could have done those. I mean, they sound like him. They are him. Nobody does that, you know, one of a kind kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I have no idea. It's like Steve Howe, the plays parts, makes up stuff, you know, but more powerful. You know? And he called me back the next day. He goes, what about Ian Crichton? Like, wow, I'm a big Saga fan, but yeah, you know, on his solos, you can sing them. He plays parts. And that was kind of a keyboard band again, but let's get together and meet. So we met and Ian wanted to do a three piece. He was looking to do cream, right? Power trio. Mm -hmm. I'm looking to do, let's say, sort of rush, you know, musical, mm -hmm. but still considered a rock band, not just a prog band. And we started writing. And I'll, I'll tell you, it's kind of funny now because we've been in the public eye for eight weeks. That's it. Right. And yeah. a year and a bit ago, it was my big idea. Let's not tell anybody. Let's keep it a secret that will come out of nowhere. People go, well, where'd this come from? Oh, everybody's all excited. Great. That'd be really cool. That way we could just really work and we'll see what it turns out to be. There's no pressure to be anything else because this is a real band, not a project. Mm -hmm. So we did that for a year and then we're ready to put it out. And I realized we have no reach whatsoever. We have no PR. No, <laughs> we have nothing to say about us, right? Nobody knows anything except for about our past. And a friend of mine, Rob Fowler, who did the album cover, came up with a press release that really tied it together in the greatest way. Ian's from Canada, Nigel's from England, I'm from the USA. And it, he made it a story. And all of a sudden we had something to say, or you wouldn't want to be talking to me until you heard the music at least, you know? I mean, yeah. Well, I'm always interested to see what you're up to. Now, six by six, you're coming from three. Now you got six by six. What is it with the numbers? <laughs> you know, <it's, laughs> we were looking for a name. We had a hundred names on the sheet. We all emailed each other. And there's like some names that we were okay. Nothing we loved. Um, I came up with one six foot six, which is the length of human DNA. I thought, oh, man, that's incredible. <laughs> the length of human DNA, what could be better? Well, somebody had it. And at that uh, point, I was really discouraged. I told, I told Nigel, look up, blah, blah, blah. And I, I strung together a bunch of filthy words, right? <laughs> and he looks it up. He goes, Damn, there's a band called that. I said, there, there's a band called everything. So I like the S and Saxa, the S and Saxon, their respective bands. I like the X and Saxon a lot. You know what? Six by six has all those S's and X's. Let's go with that. And that's kind of why we did it. It was really going to be six foot six, but mm -hmm. it was taken. 
Okay. Six by six, your self-titled album is coming out August 19th on Inside yep. Out Music. Yourself on keyboards, vocals, and bass. Ian Crichton, as you mentioned, of Saga on guitars. Nigel Glockler from Saxon on drums. Now, you talked to me a little bit about how you got involved with Ian. How did Nigel get involved in this? Now, I know you, I, th I think you've done some work maybe for Asia in the past with Nigel, maybe some recordings that you did for them. Nigel and I were both in GTR. Okay. Steve Al, at the same time. Uh, they re they wanted to replace Jonathan Mover as the drummer. And when I went to England, I expected to be working with Jonathan. But uh, they said, no, it's it's not working out right. Um, got this old mate of mine, Nigel, right? They brought him in. He was such an easy guy to get along with. Came from a heavy... He, and then he was playing with Saxon. He left Saxon to come with GTR because he loves the prog music. He likes a little more inventive drums and stuff. And Saxon didn't give him anywhere to go really he had to really be a heavy header which was great but um gtr didn't work out because of the singer and i had some problems i was the new guy spending all the time with steve out writing everything and the singer didn't like that and he sort of made my life miserable so i quit i mean i had no big break whatsoever i was working with steve how one of my heroes and i quit you think what's wrong with this guy <laughs> and it wasn't an ego thing it was you know i i know there's a place better for me not as far as steve but as far as a band where i can give 110 percent, someone embraces it and uses what they want of it not always trying to push me down you can't be singing i gotta double your parts what's wrong with you that kind of stuff you know mm -hmm. i'm just a positive guy and i like to treat people in a positive way you get the most out of the world that way mm -hmm. so i left but nigel was still there we did all the demos together got everything written it sounded like an album it was done but the record company okayed the budget, and that's I didn't quit until I made sure they were all taken care of. And they went in and redid the record with a set of powerful, big Steve Howe guitar and stuff, the harmonies and stuff that I had brought to it. They started doing things like plucking violins, you know, and the record company dropped them. It just wasn't going to happen. Mm -hmm. So Nigel and I stayed in contact, you know, and one day when Saxon came through the U.S., my God, it was probably 10 years ago. They played in San Jose here, went to see him. Um, he was playing great. He looked great. He is a heavy hitter. Um, and I like to say when they brought Alan White into Yes, you know, it gave it a little more of an anchor from Bill Bruford, who's a great drummer. Mm -hmm. When they brought Cozy Powell into ELP, heavy hitter, it gave it more of an anchor. You could dance to ELP there, <laughs> right? <laughs> it was heavy. And Carl's one of the best drummers in the world, but it was different in that anchored, heavy, John Bonham kind of way, let's say, you know. And for me, when Ian and I had the songs written, he goes, Well, man, we better get a drummer. This is really this is gonna work. He goes, What how does Ian put it? This has legs. This is the real deal. There's magic here, right? He's, he's so excited. I said, Well, number one choice, Nigel Glockler. He goes, Well, I know who he is because Saxon and you know saga have crossed paths, but I don't really know him. He's an easy guy to know, great musician. Uh, and look at three different countries. Makes it kind of a cool story. Right? Yeah. The, and of course, like, Ian goes, well, we got two eyes, two arms, two legs, two balls, you know. <laughs> it's six, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like a little triangle. You got uh, three points going on there. There you go. Um, yeah, I think I was confusing there. I think um, maybe Ian did some, lay some guitar work down for some Asia tracks at some point. They maybe both that's, did. Yeah, that's where yeah they both did at one time. 
Um, the, and it's funny, you know, Ian and Saga is tremendous, but it's a keyboard band really. There's three keyboard players in that band. Yeah. And uh, he was okay in the Asia thing, but Ian is just like Keith Emerson. He has a unique style, all his own. He's an f- incredible musician, great person. Six by six, what I consider, let let him uh, go with reckless abandonment. There was no worry about blips and squeaks and scrapes on the strings, all that. Let it fly. And he did. I mean, I don't think there's anything that Ian has done where he got to use everything that he wanted to use and, and do exactly what he wanted to and let it fly. But the guitar, you've heard it. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good stuff. Ian's fantastic on this. You mentioned you wanted to do something that was a little more guitar heavy, and and this certainly is that. And yeah. it, it it is it is got a heaviness and a chunkiness to it that you know maybe hasn't been maybe a staple of, of a lot of your recent work. And it's it's an interesting album. Was there an idea going into the project about what kind of band you wanted to be, other than just having it be a little bit more guitar oriented? Well, you know, I played with Sammy Hagar in the '90s. It was a really great point in my life because <laughs> I always do so much and Sam's the guy you work with Sam he's the guy you just play bass you play drums but he's the guy he does everything mm-hmm. and he's got the tequila and the bourbon and the cobble wobbles he's, he's got all these balls in the air and they're all going and it's really a wonderful thing to sit back and just be part of that right mm-hmm. but I started writing some heavier rock stuff I had an album out in Germany called taking it back and that company went bankrupt after my album was out for a month. They had lots of product, lots of things going on, went out of business. So this album very rarely saw the light of day with anybody. A few people have it. But the people that have it really like that piece, that the harder rock thing that I like too. It's not a metal thing, but it's definitely not a uh, bad company or something. It's not middle hard rock. I mean, it's mm-hmm. heavier than that. Yeah. And, I really enjoyed writing it, working with Sammy, um, David Lauser, Sammy's drummer, and I. Of course, we have Alliance, but Alliance is more metal rock. I want to do something like putting Jeff Beck into Rush. You know, I mean, I don't know how else to put it. There's amazingly cool parts, but that tone, too. You know, that guitar tone that Ian has. Mm -hmm. Uniquely style-wise, plane-wise, and tone-wise. So that was my dream, but I couldn't think of one guitar player without putting Jeff Becker, Clapton, and uh, Eddie Van Halen together or something. You know, I mean, three different guys. 
Well, when Nick came up with Ian, I'm like, oh my God, do you think he'd be interested? You know, a saga the whole time, you know? Yeah. And they're busy. And he was, <laughs> yeah, he was interested. And um, not only interested, he was like hungry for something different, you know? That's great. Like, so how did you guys divide up the songwriting duties? How did that work? Did you guys all fly pieces in? Did you do, do the primary songwriting? How did it work? Same way it worked with Keith. That's another thing I was looking for. I want to find somebody that has that genius of Keith Emerson. Keith didn't really write songs, you know. Um, Greg wrote all the songs in, in the LP. Greg, uh, Keith wrote musical parts and he wrote some epic music. But he sent me things, or we'd talk on the phone, and he'd play things on his Casio piano, and we're on the phone, that, like I say, were uniquely him. Nobody else in the world did that or sounded like that, and, and still kind of doesn't. You could sort of copy the big fanfare sound, but the way he voiced things and everything, Ian had that. And he sent me some fragments and some pieces of music that he had just made up. He doesn't write a whole song. He makes up little pieces. Mm -hmm. And I heard those. And the first one was Yearning to Fly. He sent me, I made a song out of it, sent it back to him. He went, oh my God. Wow. And everything beyond that worked out the same way. He'd send me pieces to work around and I'd string them into a song. And I say that I don't start writing a song until I get those little genius guitar hooks or whatever they are from Ian first. That's where it starts. I glue it all together, and then we all put the final paint on the picture. Okay. Do you, uh, at any point, were the three of you in the same room? Or, or Oh, yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, well, we all got together to do the videos here, but um, Nigel flew in right away to do the drums here at Sound Tech. Uh, Ian came in to do a few things, but mainly the guitars were done at home where he has this setup, and we labored, labored over that guitar tone. And He'd send me things like, oh, God, you know, Ian, it sounds really nice, but it doesn't sound like you. You're that tone that I like that's uniquely you. You go, what? But that's me. That's my amp. I said, yeah, but something's missing because here's what you sent me the other day. And he was like, oh, we're really going to fine tune this. I said, yeah, if we're going to get a big guitar sound, it's got to be the best of what you do. And I need it every time. So, I mean, we, we worked on it. We had quite a few things he, he redid. Not because the plane wasn't great, but that little 10% of the tone, whatever it is that sounds like him, wasn't there. So he really worked getting that at his studio. Said everything to me. Like I said, Nigel came in. We all got together on the final mixes down here and uh, videos and some interviews with Sony. There are DR people there. Um, well, so we spent, and of course, Ian and I, he's in Canada and I'm here in the Silicon Valley, California. We spent hours on the phone and it's like you and i right now i mean we could be in the same room but i know you well enough that i feel like we're in the same room and we're creating a conversation here as if we're in the same room it's not like the old phone where you you know yeah man i wish i knew what you look like and <laughs> oh what kind of room are you in oh i got cds everywhere oh yeah cool and you picture in your mind broken cases and a stack of cds in the corner instead of what i'm seeing here with your beautiful display and everything and probably alphabet 
alphabetical order or color coded or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, alphabetical. <laughs> you got to be able to find stuff at, at my age. You can't just throw stuff up there. You got to know where it is. <laughs> You'll never find it again. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but that's, that's what I mean. We're having this conversation and I feel like I'm part of your music room there. Mm-hmm. And now this time I have you in my office, you know, there's a couple things here that, you know, my dad and I, my son's hands and different mm-hmm. things and, you know, the, the, the Prague stock the DVD, you might have seen that, mm-hmm. that we put out from a tour. Yeah, very cool. And these are the things I have in here. This is where I do my book work. But I thought I'm going to talk to you from in the, in the office this time. Yeah. My uh, the Ferrari I used to have is up there. I don't know if you can see that or not. <laughs> yeah, last time it was in the studio. So that was cool, too, in its own way. Yeah. So Yearning to Fly was the first thing that he sent you, that Ian sent you. Yeah. And then it became your first single off the album. I, even better than that, inside out, Thomas, president of the company, says, oh, we're, I'm not signing anybody. We're full. And Ian said, well, let's send it to you anyway. And Nick, has other artists with inside out. So we sent it to him. And he right back, right away, goes, we need to talk. <laughs> I'm not signing anybody else. We need to talk. Just like, just like that. Mm-hmm. Because I really want this. This is really different. It pays tribute to your past, all you guys. But it's got mm-hmm. something fresh too. He goes, I can't put my finger on it, but it doesn't sound old, you know. Mm-hmm. And we had three or four companies that uh, were talking to about things, but the only one that really got it and knew how special it was was Inside Out. So good for you guys. You guys, uh, according to the press release, you have. Some resources behind you. There's going to be a tour. It's a real band. You're going to actually get to go out and support this thing. Definitely. But it's going to be in Europe next year, probably Mm -hmm. April, March, April kind of time. Honestly, if we don't sell any copies, no, none of that's going to happen. (laughs) But I got to tell you, uh, I'm looking at views on YouTube. I'm going to pull it up now as we're talking. We've done really well uh, with the fan. Now, China, the song China came out yesterday. There's 15,000 views in a day and a half and sure we need 300,000 but I'll remind you eight weeks ago we are the best kept secret because I thought it was a good idea <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> now I'm going oh my god I need to, for people to find out about us but we have a hundred over a hundred thousand of yearning to fly I got I got to pull this up here what happens is when my phone has YouTube sitting there since I got up this morning. It's still, it just sticks with those numbers. So let's see, Yearning to Fly is at 100, oh, well, we're 11 away from 102,000. That's eight weeks of work. That's amazing to me mm-hmm. that that many people, uh, they, they embrace it. I got to tell you, it, it's almost like people want us to do well. This is the first time in my life in the music world that I feel like people are saying, no, man, we got to support this. I really want these guys to make it. I want them to do. It's really different. You know, people are always supportive. You've been a, a real supporter of my music. I appreciate that. But this is different for some reason. I think it's they like the guys that I put together mm-hmm. and it's, unique as far as they would never think that we'd play, be playing together. No one would have thought about this. Mm-hmm. And they're all, I don't know, they have longevity, but they're good guys too. You know, there's no BS going on. This is a, When we tour, it's going to be so much fun. Like Keith and Carl and I, 
You know, that's a key thing. I said, oh, it's so much fun. There's no ego problems, this and that, you know. Of course, then he broke up the band. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, that brings up the question is, is if, if you guys get to tour this material, will you have to fill out um, a fourth person to do so you can have bass and keyboard since you do both? I have designed the record. So the important keyboard parts I can do, let's say I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the, the Getty Lee, basically, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. We want to stay a three-piece, although on China and Save the Night, we have uh, two female background singers on, especially on the end of Save the Night. You can hear me if you're listening. kind of is had to have one of these girls on each side have two female background singers um you've heard reason to feel calm again got the tribal drums in it and ian's got that genius bagpipe guitar thing it's like when i heard that that's what he sent me that's all it was i went Mm. oh i need to write a song this is going to be our opening song ian's going to walk out what's white spotlight guitar the sounds like a bagpipe and that's how we're going to start. He can go out all by himself. They could throw pennies and whatever they want to do at him, right? <laughs> and that stuff, um, to have the girls there to sing the, the harmony parts and maybe even a few of the tribal drum things would be really cool. But as far as uh, real musicians, we're going to try to do a three-piece. That's the plan. Okay. So you mentioned we've talked about Yearning to Fly, the first single. We talked about China, which is your third single. Maybe it's the catchiest song on the record for my money. Yeah, um, really, really accessible. See what I, I think people will be like, like when I read the press release and I said Robert Barry, Ian Crichton, Nigel. Very interesting combination. I I don't know what this is going to sound like. You have no <laughs> idea going into it. You have no idea what it's going to be, and then you you listen to it. And it's 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 not something you necessarily expected, but when you hear all the parts melded together, you you hear all three of you. You can analyze it that way. I, I get it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, it was like I didn't know what to expect, but I I thought it was a, a really refreshing rock album, progressive elements, but it's not a prog album. Right. It's like you mentioned, it's heavy, but it's not heavy metal. So it's it's kind of borrows so many things from so many things I already like. And 
and yet it creates something completely new and different out of everything. And, and you know, I, we're not trying to be Rush, but Rush wasn't considered a prog band, really. They were a rock band with great lyrics, which I was a Rush fan, kind of, but never got into until I did some Rush tribute albums. And I started reading those lyrics. I had to sing them all. Oh, my God. This is genius stuff here. I mean, so and the mission I did with Eric Martin. Oh, what a great song and, and different strings. I you did a. It was really great. That, that's the audience we want anyway. You know, mm -hmm. um, I think Yes gets a bit that audience, too. It's a crossover audience. It's not just progressive people. There's something else in a Yes fan and, and a Rush fan. And that's what we want to do. And, and just remain musical, not mm -hmm. say, oh, in the next time we're going to more prog. Oh, we're just going to go all guitar or heavy rock. Now, it, wh whatever we are is because, well, I take the parts and I glue them together. So it's going to be a little bit prog, but, <laughs> you know, but yeah. we're going to try to be who we are. And hey, Nigel sent me a, a few songs, pieces he's written to make songs out of. They're mm -hmm. really good. Great. Uh, the third song, Reason to Feel Calm Again. This is the longest song at eight, little over eight minutes long. Despite yeah. the name of the song, it actually speeds up to this crazy breakneck pace toward the end. It's anything but calm. What was the what was that time signature change like, and and how did you arrive at that particular uh, decision? I told you I got that bagpipe thing of guitar, and it just knocked me out. I'd never heard a guitar, and you knew it was a guitar, but it was so bagpipeish. The tone, the thing he had going, it blew me away. I don't know why I'm thinking Mel Gibson and Scotland and all this. I'm just seeing this huge thing because I want this song first for Ian to come out all by himself with the white light and play that. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I'm thinking, wow, if this is the first song with the way it's turned out, there's big drums and I hit some high notes here that hang out a lot of echo. This thing needs to take it to another level because I want people first song they hear of us, if they don't know us, I want them rocking. And there's a shuffle always does that. Fanfare for the common man. We used to play that. Keith, Carl, and I, they loved it. I played the Robert Berry band in town here at street fairs. They loved it. We did it on the 3.2 tour. We put it at the end of, I forget what it was the end of. Anyway, we added it on there and they loved it, right? It's mm -hmm. a shuffle. Doom, 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 doom. It's um, Sammy has mosh tequila. Um, there's a lot of songs that have that kind of groove. 
And I thought, it's got to go there because I want people rocking. This will be our first song. Let's make it feel good, be energetic, get them bounce on their head, mm-hmm. having fun. And it's a fun tempo, too. So it was actually, as I'm writing, I'm sort of planning that out for the live re- the live show. And that's why it came together. What do the lyrics mean to you on on Reason to Feel Calm Again? There's a couple of songs that allude to this. Do you know about the graphic novel? I don't. Well, a graphic novel is being drawn right now about this album, which is all of a sudden turned into a rock opera. Um, I'm going to show you one of the pages. If you can see it, yeah, you can't. probably can't see it very well. This J.C. Baez is turning this into a graphic novel. Every song has a look. Um, there's that's more the old-fashioned comic book look. Mm-hmm. Every song has a meaning that goes along with the album and what he said to me. Well, so what's the story going to be? I said, story. I didn't write this. There's the cover. Um, Journey Internal. Okay. It's it's an amazing piece of work. He's working with Steve Hackett, Peter Gabriel, some of the guys, Star Wars guy. This guy, J.C. Baez, is the real deal. He got a hold of me, wanted to do something. And I'm thinking, how am I going to write this story? You know, what's this about? And I'm thinking, well, everybody's so mean now. The social media thing, really, I'm just so sick of it. You know, mm-hmm. I use it to talk to people in, about music and everything. I, I really enjoy it. People that were on the same wavelength. But I don't get political. Except for once in a while, I'll tell somebody, can't you find a middle ground and chill out a little bit, <laughs> right? Because nobody finds that, right? And oh, yeah. they jump all over me. What a middle ground! <laughs> yeah, it's it's but, way more important to be right than it is to. Oh yeah, uh, exactly. That's right. Right according to them. Yeah. yeah. So the reason <laughs> to feel calm again comes along in my mind about you know what? If you want to see ugliness, you see ugliness. You are what you think about, right? Well, this guy in this graphic novel with these songs, he's going to start out seeing the ugliness in the world. And he's saying, you know, there's wars, there's all this stuff going on. It's dark. He's not happy. I just know why is life like this? By the end, he goes through all these dungeons and all this stuff he goes through, which apply to the songs. He, The Chinese government is there. If I, I should find one of those, you can see it because... The China song is done completely in red uh, Chinese protest posters. So when when the China comes along, it's all red. It's oh, very yeah. cool. And all these things, he sees the, the bad. But as he goes along, he realizes that what he can reach and his circle of influence, he could do some good. And he sees his friends aren't so unhappy with life because... They help people. They do things for people. You know, it's all about what can I do tomorrow to be a better person or make a better world? It's not like, look how shitty this is. That's terrible. Mm-hmm. So the story came together. I'm like, I told him, well, give me a week. Let me think about this. And it came together. And of course, reason to feel calm again is there's no reason not to feel calm. Hey, everybody, you know what? You deal with it as it comes along, whatever it is. It's been like this since uh, George Washington. I mean, we don't have a civil war going on and stuff, but there's always been something, right? Yeah. We get through it. We're going to figure a way to get through it. And um, 
if social media would go away, we'd all be great. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Uh, Problem solved. The reason I asked is because it kind of it leads into the upside of down. And it definitely seemed like there was something on your mind, particularly in that song. So many questions, who decides? What is true? The new controls again. I look outside, the world's insane. And I just wondered if you wanted, if you cared to talk about it, or if you'd like to leave that up to the listener to interpret. Well, I do like the listener to interpret, but the upside of down, of course, is when you're down as low as you can go, the only way is up. Even the smallest movement is positive when you're that far down, you know, and I'm kind of that guy. I'm, it's always positive for me. It, China isn't even a negative song. It's against the Chinese government which supports the Chinese people, I think. And the monks are exterminating and stuff. We want to bring a little bit of, you know, musical uh, identity to these, some of these little problems without like talking about problems all the time. But Mm -hmm. we need to realize that Trojan horse is being filled by the Chinese government and it's infiltrating the world. And that's something that I worry about. You know, I have children and they're going to have children and um, I don't want them to, wake up one day and Chinese businesses own all our farmland. And it, anyway, I don't want to get too far into that. Okay. But th- the whole thing is with reason to be feel calm again is there really is a reason to feel calm. Forget all this gone on the last, the, the coronavirus, all that stuff. We're going to get through it. Right. Mm-hmm. Just, I don't know. I, it, Ian gave me um, a, a kind of a cool, open door we first started writing together and you're to fly my process is i let the words fly out write them down i i sing them a little bit then i do a work vocal on a little demo for myself where i try to make them make sense mm-hmm. i only try at that point i never get stuck i'm always moving forward boom 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 if i don't know what it is it stays la 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 right he said when he got there he goes i like the kind of psychedelic thing about the lyrics he goes you know it's it, it's kind of open and i went Wow, I'm not going to do the third revision, which I always do on the 3.2 albums, where I make sure it all makes sense and the words are perfect. I'm not going to do that this time. I'm going to leave it what he calls psychedelic. And I think that left a little more uh, to the imagination for people, too. Even though the meaning's there, it's a little more open, I think. Who knows? Okay. Uh, Tell me about Live Forever, shortest song on the album, just under two minutes long. Side by side, the race at hand to the end. In your deeper 
corruption in the blink of an eye In my hopes and dreams I'll see you tonight Through a maze of memories The clues I will send Hope you feel the pull Where did that start and, and how did you finish it? Ian sent me a acoustic guitar part, just him figure, finger picking three or four chords. It wasn't in the order they're in at all. <laughs> and I, I said, well, that's nice. Well, I can't do anything with that. Came in one day, wanted to work on another one of our songs. And I thought, you know, I kind of like to have an acoustic song. I always say this, Greg Lake got one and all the, ELP tunes, mm -hmm. I'd like to have one too, you know? <laughs> and I sat down and I wanted to write a song about I'll be talking to you again, I'll be seeing you again, not, hey, when we die, I'll meet you in heaven or hell. It's mm -hmm. not that. But I also didn't want to make it, hey, buddy, I'll see you soon, or oh, uh, somebody died. I, I just wanted to leave it open. And that was the hard part of that tune. Otherwise, it was really easy. It doesn't ever quite allude to anything that makes you feel for sure that it's just a friendship or it's a death. It's just about people that you want to be with and that you want to live and make the most out of things, you know. Mm -hmm. All right. Speaking of acoustic guitar, Battle of a Lifetime's got a little bit of acoustic guitar and sort of a military march in that one. And that's... Uh, that was something unexpected from from Nigel's playing. I didn't expect that. It's, that's more of a that's more of a Carl thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Carl's big into the marches. So is Keith. You know. Nigel has all kinds of ideas and he likes jazz, everything. So I think Nigel, like being a songwriter, he plays to the song. You know, he's not just going to lay down a heavy beat. He's going to think how to orchestrate it a little bit. And uh, yeah, it was really a kind of a pleasure to have that all happen without let's say me having to think of all the parts right mm -hmm. and this guy comes in and he's got ideas I go cool man this is great yeah that was that was a nice uh, little surprise there and uh the album closer saved the night this is a song that it was the second single off the album and it's one of my favorites on the album it probably not in a small part because it it's 
It's very proggy. It's got uh, a lot of saga influence in this that's present, uh, probably more than most of the songs on the album. And uh, it's got this interesting ending where it seems to end, but then there's a little surprise after that. What what was that about? It, it was about Ian and I thinking it was too long, so I faded it out, and I sent him a copy of it. He goes, wow, that's psychedelic again. When it fades back in, I said, what? Because in Pro Tools, you fade it out, but if the rest of the song's there, the fader's been written digitally to go back up. So, but I faded it out and then I made a copy of it. Well, it made a copy past that fade out. So it faded back and it was a psychedelic. I love that. Whoa, that's fantastic. I said, what? <laughs> I had to play it. I go, oh, okay. Totally a mistake. Or a ha- happy accident. It's not on the video. Uh, we decided that shouldn't be there. You know, it'd be too long. I'm just looking at uh, numbers here. For save, this is amazing. Save the night is at 90,810 views. Now it's going to hit 100 in the next two days or so. We have two songs with 100,000 views. In China, I think people are really going to get it. And it's really going to um, not take them by surprise, but it, you can't help us. China. No, I can't even sing that. I don't care if it's the, the country I'm speaking against or not. I love singing that word, right? <laughs> Someone said it should have been Russia. I go, Russia? No, it doesn't sing the same. <laughs> Argentina? No, no, that works. You know, <laughs> it has to be China. Yeah, yeah words matter. <laughs> I, I checked with some Chinese friends. I have lots of Asian friends here, sort of Silicon Valley, of course. Mm-hmm. Vietnamese, Chinese, uh, Japanese. They love it. They all said the same thing. No, people will know what's going on in China. The Chinese people don't like what's happening to them. Right? So I, I was worried. So I just don't want anybody to think that I'm criticizing. And sure enough, the first five or six comments on the video were guys saying, you shouldn't be doing that. You, But nobody, before I say that, <laughs> nobody disliked it. I want to see here. I said nobody un, um, hit the... Thumbs down button, no? Not one dislike, but five negative kind of comments to start off. And we're at uh, 16,000 views in a day and a half. Yeah. Well, I tell you one thing. If you are adverse to social media, YouTube comments is the lowest point on social media that exists. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It can be be a lot. Uh, So... 
uh, you know, I would I wouldn't let it get you down. No, you know, I don't. <laughs> In fact, um, some guy said something about. Yeah, I didn't like Ernie Fly too much. Saying that is okay, but this China finally they got one I liked. I said, and I said, I heard a comment. Finally, someone that didn't like one of them because but the comments have been wonderful. People it's really good. wanted to be successful. I mean, when does that happen? <laughs> I don't know. It's you know, I think there's a there's this ongoing debate on whether or not rock is dead, and I think right. it's 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 really comes down to is is rock only dead because you measure success by top 40 hits or uh, are you not willing to do the legwork to find the music that's being made out there because there's tons of rock music being made. And so I think people are ready for something like this to come out and kind of grab some attention. We don't, the last thing we need too is more music because there is so much of it, right? (laughs) We just don't need more because you can't get through all of it. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. There's just something that people are. I'm kind of giddy about it. I'm so excited about the whole thing. Working with the, the dream band, the dream manager, um, a booking agency, a uh, road manager in England, uh, getting to produce it in my studio and mix it and everything and make sure I spent hundreds of hours making sure everything sounded really good. I'm so proud of that guitar sound. And, uh, you know, I do the keyboard tracks for Sammy Hagar when the circle goes out on tour. That's me playing them. And I had to do some Eddie Van Halen sort of guitar simulation to figure out how to make it all sound right and everything. I, wow, look at that. He puts the guitar in one channel because mono, you know, for the old record days, those mono mm-hmm. albums, wow. No phase cancellation. Not they had to sound good, right? Yeah. Eddie's got it in mono. The reverbs in the right speaker, the guitars in the left speaker, and it's you always thought you got the biggest guitar sound in the world. It's not that big; it just comes across in full monophonic. Mm-hmm. And I did a lot of that in this album, uh, technically to make that guitar really stand out. And, um, yeah, I, I I blab a lot. I'm so excited. <laughs> no, it's great to see. It's great. You know, it's great to see an artist that's excited about their, you know, what they're about to unleash on the world. And and I, I think there's a lot of there are, I've talked to a lot of artists who are a little hesitant and a little kind of um, they have a little trepidation about I don't know how this is going to be received, but you you have a, you're you seem confident in in that this is going to be well received from what you've seen already. I can tell you that you know I like it. This is a this is an album that I'm going to be talking up to my friends and, and to my followers. And I mean, like I said, it's it's the three of you guys. You really don't know what to expect. You don't know what to expect. The name doesn't tell you anything about what kind of music it's going to be. It's it's a surprise, and I think that's that's part of it. Is is just how how uh, excited you get when you finally. It's like opening a present on Christmas, man. It's like, what is this? And then it's something that you like. Yeah, well, that's cool. But that's I couldn't ask for a better review than that. You know, <laughs> I, really. I mean, I I can't wait to see. Once it actually physically comes out and people have it at home and they get to hear Reason to Feel Calm again, which I think is really a wonderful piece of music. Um, so cool. And one of my favorites was Upside and Down. The record company hasn't even never mentioned it. <laughs> they never, never said a word about it. But I think people are going to like that song. You know, it's, yeah, it's a good one. And I think that anything that puts Ian 
Ian's guitar out there in this country, especially because Saga was not a big band in the, in the United States. No. And I think not enough people know how good Ian's guitar playing is. Yeah. And, and this really, really uh, is a great vehicle for it. And what, what he does is so fresh and melodic in a way, but edgy in another way. And the tone of the gods, guitar tone. I don't know how he does it really. Cause he, he, he must make up a hundred parts per song. I mean, they're all, they're not just, you, you never hear, here's the verse of the power chords and we're going to double up the power chords for the second verse. No, there's always something new going on. And you think the like me, when it first comes in, is that going to work? Then I put it in the track. I'm like, Oh my God, look at that. It's perfect. It, you know, it, it supports it like a guitar should be. You think of a guitar as sort of doing this solid rhythm or something. Mm-hmm. And that's not what he does. No, he just he just adds so much color to the song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's hard, it's hard to describe his his style. It's so it's a little like listening to Adrian Blue, I guess. Is like he's got a similar kind of thing where he's just kind of he's just colorizing the song with what he's playing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. What do you want people to take away from this listening experience? They buy this album, they put it on, they turn off the lights, they turn up, crank up the volume and listen to it with their eyes closed. Maybe maybe you got some candles burning. What do you want them to take away from that listening experience? First of all, I think the album as a whole is a better listen than one song at a time. There's something about it for me, and I've done a lot of albums. I'm like 25 albums to my name or so. This one is like a roller coaster ride. It goes up and down, up and down. It really is a body of work. I want them to be able to enjoy it as a body of work, for one thing. But not, you know, singles are the thing in the day, right? Well, let's release one song at a time. Mm-hmm. No, this is a real album. It's also a real band. We're not doing a project. We, we didn't just throw it together in a couple of months and put it out like record companies do so much. Mm-hmm. I am so sick and tired of Record companies say, look, I have a hundred people on this album. Look at all these names. Oh, God, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's just not organic. It's not honest. It's just people doing probably their best work, but there's no heart to it. You know, Yeah. this is a real band. Um, I hope they can feel that. I hope they can feel that the songwriting was inspired. I didn't have to sweat it ever to i mean ian's guitar parts just they they ignited me basically i and i have all kinds of words and stuff from things he sent me we're already starting on a second one i hope they feel the excitement of a band that's really together rob fowler my good friend who does my websites and stuff did the album cover he's in on it he did all our press releases i mean for sony and stuff my guy is writing the press releases he's so good jc baez is doing the graphic novel because he's so good and he loves the album and the music i just want them to feel that it's real you know and i think they will i think i think yeah where's the best place for people to follow the happenings of six by six right now you you guys have a website coming there is a website already i think it's six by six band to get there because there is a little folk thing called six by six that has like 50 friends or something um, you know, I I don't have a computer in front of me. I would look it up. I think it's six by six band. That's the um, one. That's the one. Yeah. yeah. There's Twitter. 
and Facebook. I mean, Facebook's pretty good now. It's it's really growing. Mm-hmm. And Instagram. So it's we have it all. I think we haven't done a TikTok video yet, but <laughs> you know, we're we're afraid right now that China's out that one of us is going to go missing. And TikTok is a Chinese program, isn't it? So we don't want to give them a a visual into our personal lives any more than we have to. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Uh, the album and the band are called Six by Six, and it comes out on Inside Out Music. That's coming your way on August nineteenth. Robert, I hope this does really well for you. I'm enjoying the crap out of this album. And, uh, thank you so much for, for telling me about it. Well, there's a few people that have been really good to me and that are easy for me to talk to. And it's nice. I mean, you're one of them. I talked to another guy like that, uh, Ross in Scotland, I talked to earlier today. And it's funny, it's both on the same day, because you were for, you were for different reasons. He came through the PR leg. You came kind of through me, and we set you up to the PR leg, right? Yeah. Um, it just makes it really nice for me to talk to people that know my history and stuff and, and see where this is heading. It's being funneled into this thing, and I'm, I feel like I'm home again, like I was with Keith before when he was alive. I'm home again, and I expect... This not to be my last shot because I'm going to die, but it'll be my last shot because we all want to stick with it and we're excited about it. We just hope to sell enough records where the record company says we're we're ready for anything you have to give, you know. And touring, they have to sell some copies too to tour. You know, they they want us to support some bands, some be a headliner, different things. We have to sell some copies and. I'm going to push the hardest I can to get people to actually buy a physical CD on this thing. They say that CD sales aren't what they used to be. Mm-hmm. I see people like Deep Purple and even Yes selling 50,000 copies or so. I think we could do that. Yeah. And this will be available also on vinyl because uh, it's a nice uh, it's a nice length. It's like 48 minutes long. Yes. There is a couple of uh, about two minutes cut off, for like a minute off of two songs <laughs> to get it on the vinyl. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, they, I didn't tell them. They called me and they said, well, the times aren't right on the, on the vinyl versions. I said, no, no, I've, I've edited them. Oh, well, we have to hold a whole different number if you made it a different length. Because the bots, the track things, digitally, won't be able to see. If it was seven minutes, now it's 6.59. Totally changes what the bots see. <laughs> and for, you know, for royalties and stuff, they need yeah. that. So anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. All right. Well, you know, Robert, again, this is great. If you guys go to Europe, hopefully you'll record the shows and put out a DVD and, and a live album and all that good stuff because we'd love to see it. And if you do get the chance, you know, to maybe do a Roz Fest or, a, you know, a cruise to the edge or something, that would be really cool for you guys to to uh, to be seen in this country as well. I think we might have done Cruise to the Edge in 2023 if they were going to have it. Um, mm. That was a plan of ours. Um, 2024, I don't know. I mean, it's going to come around then, but we're going to have other things going on by then. So who knows? All right, Robert, thank you so much for telling me about six by six and, uh, thank you for your time and and good luck with this. Thanks, man. I appreciate all you do for my career and and the the good vibes you sent out and everything. We'll talk again. Michael's Record Collection is hosted and produced by Michael Citro. 
logo graphic courtesy of Jerry Cutchins. Follow Michael's Record Collection on social media, at Mike's Records on Twitter, and Michael's Record Collection on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. If you like what you hear, you can support the show through our Patreon at patreon.com slash michaelsrecordcollection. For the free newsletter version, go to substack.com and just type Michael's Record Collection into the search bar. Thanks for listening.